In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Really excited. Another insanely good name on to continue our draft coverage. So, buzzing for this. We have got Dane Burglar. Dane, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Excellent. Dane, where in the world are you at the moment? Uh, I am in Frisco, Texas, um, where I am. Uh, my wife and I and my two kids is where we where we live. Um, but I think a lot of Browns fans know I'm a, I'm a native Northeast Ohio guy. Grew up uh, about 45 minutes outside of Cleveland and Warren, Ohio. So have a lot of Cleveland ties. Uh, you know, the Browns are kind of what I grew up on and still have a lot of ties in Cleveland today. Awesome. And do you get up to Cleveland a lot? Oh yeah, definitely. At least at least twice a year. Um, both my wife and I, are, both our families are in Cleveland, and uh, I think there's a good chance uh, we'll be back in Cleveland at some point here in the next few years. Now that we have kids and uh, you know spend time with their grandparents, things like that, and so um, definitely uh, enjoy. I've been in Texas for about ten years now, and really enjoy it down here. It's been great, but uh, you know nothing beats family, and so uh, definitely eager to get back to Northeast Ohio at some point. Excellent. Well, you know it's going to be a lot more tougher to get tickets for the Browns going forward. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, it's uh, it, it's a lot of fun from afar to see all this optimism. Um, you know, it's I, I'm a big believer in John Dorsey. Um, the moment he was hired, I thought that really started it. Um, you know, and not to take anything away from, I, you know, I thought Sashi Brown put some wheels in motion. Um, you know, not to take anything away from him, uh, but. John Dorsey made the picks, and I think he is a uh, substantial reason for uh, the, the newfound optimism in Cleveland. And uh, I tell you what, there's no other fan base that deserves it more with uh, just the, the passion, the dedication. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's why I grew up loving football is uh, just the Browns fan base and everything about it. So, so, so happy to see uh, it's things kind of trending upward. Uh, with uh, with that franchise, and I, I absolutely agree with you. It's going to be tougher and tougher to get the tickets because uh, it, this is a this is a team that's going to be competing for the playoffs. I saw the the Super Bowl odds this morning. Uh, the Browns were tied with the Ravens, I think, at twenty to one odds, which were yep. better than you know teams like the Eagles. Team, you know, there's <laughs> better than a lot of other teams that you would consider as uh, you know maybe uh, you know Super Bowl uh, contenders. So uh, it's great to see. Yeah, great. And uh, Dane, me and Jack are all the way over in England showing our love for Cleveland. So uh, That's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and we started when it was 0-16, uh, this podcast. So uh, it's, it's, it's crazy uh, how global the uh, Browns uh, network is. And that's awesome. I mean, that's something that, uh, you know, it's the, uh, the rise of social media and, you know, everything else has really helped, I, I think, uh, you know, give you guys more of a platform, uh, you know, you don't, I'm not sure how often you actually get to make it to Cleveland, but having, uh, 
you know, a chance to follow from afar is, is awesome. So it's uh, really cool to see. Yeah, last year I made it out to uh, three games in the States. And uh, awesome. this year we're aiming for eight games, well, myself, and hopefully Jack a couple. So uh, That's Dane, dedication. We, may, we may see you in Cleveland. Hey, that'd be awesome. I'd, I'd love that. Yeah. All right, Jack, do you want to run with the show? Yeah, I'll take over. So today we're focusing on the linebacker room. So 3-4 defense. Um, if we start just first round, what are those names if we're potentially taking a linebacker at pick 17? I think the first name is uh, obviously Devin White from LSU. Um, you know, I, I, will he be there at 17? I, I'd put it at 50-50 probably. Um, you know, there's a lot to like about his game. Um, I, the violent nature that he plays with is just – is the first thing you notice pops off the film. Uh, it's a lot of fun. He's a playmaker uh, because of the collisions that he creates on contact. Uh, a lot of people don't realize he was a running back and he, he was a, he signed at LSU as a running back, moved the linebacker. Uh, and you know, you wouldn't really think that watching him cause he's built for the linebacker position so well. Um, but he just, he plays like a guy that's just starving for contact, seeks it out, uh, he's a missile. Uh, he really understands uh, how to unlock his hips, read, react, and go. Love the pursuit speed. Uh, it, that really aids his his range, where he can cover every inch of the field. Um, outstanding chaser, um, and so he's also very good downhill as a blitzer. Uh, he's got the body control where he can you know slither through gaps and make plays in the backfield. Uh, he's got that alpha mentality that you want. Uh, you know he's he's built for that type of game. Um, but at the same time, he's still, still raw in a few areas, uh, mostly his take on skills. Just needs to do a better job using his hands to get off contact, get off blocks, uh, and, you know, pursue the football. Uh, did a nice job in coverage on tape. Wasn't asked to do it a lot. He's more of a downhill player. But you see the athleticism when he, when he zone drops. And, you know, he shows at least a baseline understanding of, of what to do when he's dropping and playing in reverse. So, there's so much to like, uh, you know, he's got the instincts. Um, you know, I think he uh, is a guy that I don't think he's on the same level as Roquan Smith from a year ago. I, I just, he's not that type of linebacker in my opinion. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Jared Davis, who was a first rounder two years ago to the Lions. I think he's more that style of linebacker than a Roquan Smith. So uh, you know, we'll see where he ends up going in the draft. I think he could go as early as, you know, say 11 to the Bengals. I think that's a possibility. Uh, you know, he could be around in the early 20s. But if he's there at 17, I think that he's at least a guy that the Browns will be talking about. Dane, I've got one question for you. How would you see him fitting in with uh, Curtsy and uh, Schobert if we did uh, um, draft him? Yeah, and I think that's a good question because talking to, you know, scouts about Devin White, and it, it's funny, some see him as a traditional Mike, you know, a guy that, uh, you know, can handle the, the, the load inside as a, as a middle linebacker, while others see him better as, you know, outside, maybe as a will where he can just better use that speed that he has. Um, and so I don't know how the Browns view him specifically, but I, I think that he offers a little bit of versatility there where, you know, you could kind of figure that out in training camp. You know, do you want to keep him inside? Do you want to push him outside? You know, I, I think that, you know, a little bit of versatility makes you where he, you don't have to pigeonhole him in this exact role. He can kind of compete. Uh, you can compete with the other linebackers during training camp and figure out exactly where he fits best. 
So is there anyone else in the first round you consider taking or would that be a bit too early for any of the other names out there? You know, I'm a big fan of Devin Bush from Michigan. Um, it, if he were two inches, three inches taller and longer, we'd be talking about him as a top 10 pick. He's just – his his tape is, is like coaching tape for linebackers. He, he's that good. Uh, it plays with outstanding speed. Uh, he breaks down well. Uh, he, he fills gaps like a much bigger player. Uh, you love the range, the lateral range. He can mirror speed. Uh, controls himself really well on the move. Uh, you know, he's a guy that was kind of groomed for this. His dad played in the NFL, won a Super Bowl, um, coached him at, in high school, and he just kind of grew up uh, kind of playing the linebacker position. And, you know, I think that he's, you know, made for this uh, at, at, the high, at a high level. The thing is, he's just you see the, the lack of length show up quite a bit on film. Um, and that's something that's really going to bother NFL teams. And so I don't think Devin Bush uh, is going to go in the top 20. Uh, I think he has a chance to maybe go in the late first round uh, or into the second round. But whoever gets him, if he falls in the second round, the team's going to get tremendous value with him. Uh, just he's going to you're going to get him out of the discount bin because of the lack of length. He just you know and, and again, it's not just uh, you know teams falling in love with you know the numbers uh, at the combine and you know the arm length. It's you actually see it on film where uh, it'll. You know, he has to be – he has to time his tackles perfectly or he's not going to be able to make the off-balance stop. Um, you see it occasionally in coverage. So the lack of length from Devin Bush does concern you. But at the same time, I just know I want him on my football team. And so you're just trying to find the appropriate range about where you feel comfortable drafting him. Because the draft, yes, you want good football players, but it's also about value. And so you want to make sure that you're getting him with good value. Um, you know, maybe if the Browns go in a different direction in top 20, maybe that's – player that you consider trading up for in the early second round to go get him um but you know uh, regardless I think he's just he's just a darn good football player and a guy that uh, you know I'd love to have on my team oh, fantastic so if we waited till pick 49 who's sort of the the players we should be looking at hopefully getting there well it, interesting uh name from Alabama is Mac Wilson who coming into the year I thought he was the top linebacker, um, showed so much ability. Uh, this year, it just you didn't see him take that next step as a, as a player. Uh, and, you know, coming into the year, I thought he, he reminded me a lot of Van Der Esch, um, you know, watching him at Boise. The problem was that at Van, with Van Der Esch at Boise, you could see him every single game, almost every snap. He was an ascending player. He was – the more he saw, the more football he played, he got better and better and better with Wilson – you just didn't see that this year. It was really disappointing. He was more of a stagnant player on tape where, you know, he's still making the same mistakes, still missing the same tackles. Uh, now you get excited about the athleticism. I mean, he shows at least an understanding of how to read his keys, uh, you know, the instincts and awareness needed to play the position. Um, he's a three, he has his potential to be a true three down player because he has that type of athleticism uh, to drop in space, to cover every inch of the field. Uh, you know, maybe when he gets to the NFL, that extra NFL coaching, uh, you know, not in, but it's hard to say that because he was at Alabama where he was getting some of the best defensive coaching you can find at the college level. But maybe when he gets to the NFL, gets a new system, that'll help him take that next step. Uh, it's just when you draft Mac Wilson, it's going to take a little bit of a, a leap of faith uh, that, you know, he does have that upside, that potential. Uh, he's a guy that played AAU basketball growing up. You see that athleticism. It's just, the wild play style is just a little worrisome. And so uh, factoring in his upside is a big part of his evaluation. And that's why he's going to be all over the map. 
Um, you know, whether he goes in the first round or the second round, um, I'm not sure he's going to make it all the way to the Browns second round pick, but um, you know, he's at least a guy to have on the radar as a, uh, you know, potential player in that range. Uh, brilliant. So then third round, we sort of wait a little bit later. This is where I'm hoping there's some names because I wouldn't mind grabbing a linebacker in the third. Yeah, I think that that would make some sense. And I think this draft has some, some value there. Um, uh, Vashin Joseph from Florida junior came out early. Uh, I think his, his flaws uh, teams might have some problem with, but it's the positives to his game that really have me excited. The quick reaction skills, uh, the play speed, uh, it does an outstanding job timing his blitz, making, uh, you know, affecting the backfield and what's going on there. Uh, just has a unique feel for getting skinny through gaps and, uh, you know, getting the offense off schedule. So he doesn't have great play strength, and that shows at the point of attack. Uh, but he's a tough kid who I think will get better and better. Uh, needs to get better in coverage, no question. Uh, but, that, again, that's why we're talking about him as a third rounder and not higher. Um, one of my favorite sleepers in this draft, uh, a guy that no one's talking about right now, but in uh, part of that's because he was injured, uh, didn't get a chance to go to the senior bowl, um, you know, missed a little bit of a final, final month of the season. Jelani Tavai from Hawaii, uh, really good looking kid at 6'3, 235 pounds. And, you know, I, one of the first times I, I really kind of bought in to Tavai was when I was studying Josh Oliver, um, the tight end from San Jose State. And I watched uh, Tavai, this number 31 for Hawaii, uh, playing with power at, up at the line of scrimmage. He has, you know, the size to do that. But then on the next play, he carried Oliver, a really athletic tight end, all the way down the seam and made a play uh, to knock, knock down the, the seam pass. And so I really uh, like what Tavai offers. He's, he had a shoulder issue, might not work out at the combine because of it. But this is an underrated player who – uh, you know, could end up being a steal because he has missed a little bit of the draft process with the shoulder injury. As long as the medicals check out, uh, Jelani Tavai is a guy that I'd be looking at in the third round as a terrific value in that range. Uh, to me, he's a top senior linebacker. Uh, right behind him, Jermaine Pratt from NC State, uh, former safety who uh, has the athleticism, the toughness to, to be an NFL starter. Uh, Tavon Coney, Bobby Okariki, um, two other linebackers that you have in that range. But for me, Tavai and Jermaine Pratt are the top seniors and guys that if they're there in the third round, I think would be tremendous value. Fantastic. So it sort of, is there any day three names out there? Obviously if they're that deep, they've probably got something they're not quite great at, but is there any names that you've really liked so far? They could be anywhere from rounds uh, four to seven. Yeah. I thought Terrell Hanks from New Mexico state had a uh, pretty good senior year and then strong senior bowl practices uh, you know, he first, he, he looked the part. There's no question about that. He had the most impressive weigh-in uh, just with the, the way he's built. You can tell he takes care of his body. He's got a long wingspan, really long arms. Um, and so I think – and then he backed it up on the field with some uh, pretty impressive play. If Terrell Hanks falls out of the top 100 picks, uh, he'd be, I think, excellent value in the fourth round. Um, and then, you know, I think you're looking at a few guys that are maybe deficient in a few areas. but have really good tape a guy like David Long Jr. from West Virginia uh, who's undersized and I don't know if he's going to fit what John Dorsey looks for but if you overlook the lack of size because he's you know comes in at just 5'11 
uh, you know, you're missing some of that length, kind of like we talked about with Devin Bush. If you overlook that, you see a controlled athlete who is uh, an Ohio native. He's from Cincinnati, uh, but a really tough kid who, you know, don't tell him he's 5'11 and has you know, shorter arms because he doesn't play like it. Plays like, like a lot bigger player. Doesn't lack for confidence. Doesn't lack for toughness. Uh, so I think David Long, again, another guy you can get uh, kind of out of the, the uh, you know, get, kind of get him on clearance because of some of his deficiencies, which, again, the draft's all about value and, if I can get a guy like that in the fourth or fifth round, I feel pretty good. All right, fantastic. Thank you for giving us a run through of all them names. It's names me and Paul and other listeners will take away and have, have a little deep dive into all of them. So if we take all the positions out of it, if someone was to ask you, picks uh, 17 and 49, where do you see the Browns going? Well, my uh, two-round mock draft just came out. So you know, fans have a chance to check that out uh, on The Athletic. Uh, but you know, I'll give you a little bit of a preview of what that is, uh, at 17, uh, looking at kind of how the board played out. And, you know, I think the Browns will be looking at linebacker, you know, could be looking, I think what they're going to do in free agency is going to try and fill a lot of their needs. And so at 17, they really have the luxury of going with the best player available, getting an impact player. And that's exactly what they should be doing. You don't reach for need. You don't try This isn't Madden where you try and, you know, just fill out your roster get an impact player. I don't care if it's a pass rusher, a corner, an offensive lineman, get the best player on the board who can help you not only this year, but as you build this thing moving forward. Um, and I think the way the board played out in this mock draft, I went with Christian Wilkins, the defensive tackle from Clemson, which at 17, I think that's great value. Uh, really balanced player, love the athleticism, uh, flexible through his hips where he can penetrate gaps. Uh, affect w uh, what the offense is doing in the backfield uh, can get overwhelmed by power at times as a run player but he's such a good athlete the body control and the movement skills that uh, you know he's able to recover quickly and still make a play uh, and then you know talking to people close to the Clemson program they rave about Christian Wilkins uh, I mean they say that the only one, person that comes close that they've coached in Clemson uh, in terms of the intangibles and the leadership is Deshaun Watson. So they think really highly of Christian Wilkins. And, heck, maybe that's a reason why he won't be there at 17. But in this mock, he was. I thought he was great value there uh, for the Browns. You know, pair him next to Joby, make him part of that rotation. Uh, I'd love to see it. And just Christian Wilkins trading uh, one shade of orange for another. Uh, and then in the second round, I, you know, looking at – you're looking at linebacker. You're looking at uh, offensive line depth. Um, the way it played out, and I think it's kind of the strength of the second round, looking at wide receiver and the different wide receivers that could be available for them. Um, and for the Browns, maybe getting a little more size of the position, a guy who's a really good route runner. I went with Riley Ridley from, uh, from Georgia, uh, Calvin's little brother, who not as dynamic as Calvin, but he's bigger, and you see the same polish as route runners. Um, didn't have a great – resume in terms of production at Georgia but when you look at that offense and I mean watching the tape he was getting open at will it's not like uh you know he had the high volume of drops it's not like he uh was uh you know not getting open uh, he was doing these things it's just the, it was a run first offense and you know they like to spread the ball around McCall Hardman and uh, the tight end Nada um, uh, Holloman, the other wide receiver. So, I mean, there was uh, just a lot of ways they would distribute the football. And uh, so Riley really, to me, is absolutely in the top 50 discussion. And so at number 49, 
I thought, uh, you know, he made some sense there and a, a guy that, you know, can develop that chemistry with uh, Baker Mayfield. And, uh, you know, I think it'd be a good pick for uh, Cleveland at that point. Excellent. Thanks a lot for that, Dane. That's an awesome inside. And, uh, yeah, Jack, what do you think about that, uh, them two, dra- two draft picks? Um, there, there's a lot of people started um, hearing the Wilkins. There's, it, it seems like a pick. Lots of people are piecing together. Personally, I'd avoid taking the uh, defensive tackle in the first round. I'd much prefer a defensive end, but fingers crossed we can get Trey Flowers there. Um, maybe a cornerback or potentially an offensive tackle. Um, but it all depends how your board comes out. I've got no issue with taking a wide receiver in round two. I think especially if we move on from Jarvis Andre in a year's time, having a room that has Ridley, Callaway, Perryman, Higgins means you've got four fantastic weapons that will hopefully all be able to step up within a year's time and it will be a seamless transition. Dane, I had one question for you. Mm-hmm. As we're talking in the uh, lineback room now, a bit of a hybrid player from last year was... Uh, uh, grenade uh, Avery and I just wanted to uh, know did you expect him to be as playing as well as he did in this rookie year Avery is a good was a good learning experience for me as an evaluator um, because I graded him exactly where he was drafted um, because I had questions about him being an every down linebacker um I thought there were some there's some deficiencies there where I, I didn't see an every down linebacker uh, I thought he was kind of specialized in what he did and so but the thing is is that that specialized uh, those specialized traits were as a pass rusher and usually you know like the way I was taught um by you know over the years by scouts you know top 100 picks are for starters and so uh you know I that's where you with Avery kind of bothered me because I didn't see an, I didn't see an NFL starter. I saw a sub package guy, uh, not a three down player. Uh, you know, some of his, some of the flaws in his game uh, kind of bothered me, but I thought he could get up the field. And, you know, I think that's where he, we saw him at his best uh, for the Browns as a rookie. And, you know, I, I think drafting the top 100 picks is not just for starters, but you want to draft impact. And with Jannard Avery, I don't think he's ever going to be a three down player in the NFL. I don't think that's, that's his game, but I do think that with his impact, uh, you know, he was worth a top 100 draft pick because of the way, whether he's used as a sub package rusher, however they use him getting after the quarterback, uh, you know, he's, cause I think he's got some deficiencies in the run game where you can't just play him as an every down end, uh, but you let him put his hand on the ground on third downs or obvious passing downs and it, he can give you some juice. Uh, so you know, I think at the end of the day, when going back to my evaluation, I think I nailed the evaluation in terms of, you know, strengths, weaknesses, projection. But where I was off with his evaluation was uh, I, I, I got the evaluation right, but I missed on the valuation, valuing what he did. And so that's where I, I got him right in terms of where I projected him, but should have valued him higher because of that specialized skill and getting after the quarterback. Not going to be an every down player. But that's okay. When you can make an impact like that as a sub-package player, you're worth more than, uh, you know, where the Browns drafted him. So terrific rookie year, eager to see him develop. Um, and so I think he's a, he's a good guy to have in the arsenal when you're looking to bring some juice off the edge. Awesome. Thanks for that insight, Dane. I, I feel he was the uh, steal of our uh, draft last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to look at it and, 
terrific value at that point in the draft. Um, you know, a guy that showed up in every single game, it seemed like, uh, you know, just, and again, it was, they tried, it seemed like they tried to expand his role uh, a little bit, you know, at different points in the season, but uh, he kept showing up as a pass rusher. That's what he does best. Uh, you know, using that explosiveness, converting speed to power, uh, disrupting what the backfield was doing. And so if you have guys like that, uh, you're going to find the field. Um, it's just, it's going to be with a guy like Avery, you know, you kind of pick and choose uh, when he's going to be on the field. But yeah, I think absolutely. He was, uh, he was the steal. Uh, you know, Baker's going to go down as the headliner of that draft class, but uh, Jernard Avery was kind of the steal of that group. Awesome. Thanks a lot for that, Dane. That's uh, great. Jack, do you want to wrap up? Yeah, no. Thank you so much for coming on. Plug yourself, all your work. Where can people find more of you? Check me out at The Athletic. Um, I am uh, the head NFL draft analyst over there covering all the NFL draft stuff. Uh, we cover it year-round. And, um, you know, right now I'm posting my positional rankings with full scouting reports. Um, so, you know, get a subscription. I promise you, you will not regret it. Um, and uh, follow me on Twitter at DP Brugler. Uh, and that's just the best way to find my content. No, thank you so much for coming on. Um, another great guest to have to feed us that insight um, about players. So go away, watch that stuff and see what, see what you think of them because they are players we could really be adding within the next uh, couple of months. I enjoyed it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, hey, hey.